This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. I'm Elizabeth Fay, and I am a huge Schedulisty fan, enthusiast, um, promoter. So what Schedulisty can really do for your business and what it can do for your life um, is so amazing. So it's a modern tool that's going to help you systemize all the procedures in your business. And they're probably some of them are ones you didn't even know you have or you should have. It's going to systemize them. It's going to make everything streamlined and do it for you while you sleep. And this is the way that you can make more money and have more quality of life. So everything from upping your rebooking rates to taking deposits, helping you enforce your no-show and cancellation policies, all the way to your email marketing, and even the way you get tipped and process payments. It's like having a front desk, an assistant, and a virtual assistant all in one in your pocket for such an affordable price. So if you haven't already gotten... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my best friend Tone. Although I might be trading him in today. Yeah, I have a feeling that uh, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's awesome. What's up, brother? What's up, man? So, uh, dude, I'm super excited about talk. Well, I want to talk about the video that we just released. Um, we're really, really mega excited about it. And you know, just just so you guys know, again, um, it's uh, it's for everyone to use. You know, we we don't own any IP for the video. We want people to share the video. We want people to talk about their experiences. Um, actually, uh, yeah, we want people to talk about their experience with their clients and, and that jazz. And yeah, definitely join the conversation. You know what I mean? We want to hear not only your story with your clients. We want we want to hear your thoughts, your your love for the industry. It's just you know what I mean. The, mm-hmm. the video is for everybody to to partake and, and be a part of it. That's absolutely correct. And um, if you'd like to share that with us, you know, the hashtags that we're using is, uh, you know, hashtag fall in love with the hair industry or hashtag I am hair industry because, you know, hair industry isn't Tony and I. Hair industry is, is just the movement of this positive of community, uh, community that we're trying to, uh, that we're trying to create, not trying to create that, that, that we want to create. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's, you're right. We all are here to street. We all are part of this wonderful community. Yeah, there's and, no doubt. And we want to keep it that way. We, we, we definitely <laughs> want to keep it that way. Hey, so again, if, if you like the video, please, please, please share it again. We don't own any IP on it. Um, uh, we want you to share. It. We want you to share it with your clients. We want you to share it with your other hairdressers. If, if you want to use it on your website, you have full permission. You don't have to ask permission. Um, you can uh, just go do it. Um, uh, if you need to find the video, it's it's gonna it's on our Instagram. Um, in our in our, and we'll have to talk to Jay about whoops. What well, well, <laughs> it's a uh, it's in our milkshake, which uh, we used to have a link tree there, but now we've put up a, a milkshake um, account there, which is like a little website within the Instagram um, app. So just click the milkshake link, swipe a couple uh, left, uh, a couple, you know, swipe right. 
a couple of times and then you'll see uh, all of our links. And, and you just go to YouTube. Or you can just go to YouTube and you can go to the hair industry page on YouTube and it'll be there too. Uh, the name of the video is Fall in Love with the Hair Industry, um, which is our new motto and that's what the video is going to be. So, shall we get into today? Actually... So the conversation that we've had prior to the podcast, I wish we were recording because I was just, I mean, I've, dude, this is going to be uh, fun, energized. I love this guy. Uh-huh. Uh, it, we're running we're laughing so hard that I'm like, we're like both like, man, this will be awesome. This is going to be fun. We, yeah, we actually forgot to push record a little bit because we got, we got, we got so carried away. All right. Uh, real talk real quick. So, um, our guest today is Jay Ladner. Jay Ladner is filled with energy. He's filled with hope, but most importantly, he's filled with love. And 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 he shares the love, whether it's through a laugh or whether it's through get your stuff together. You know, everything comes from love, and and you know that that's just so great. Um, for me and for us, I'll have to speak for the us here in a second. Usually is, you do. Usually I do. Um, so this this is no joke. Uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, you know, as like hair industry, we're just starting to make our wave or make our move uh, through things. And uh, and I, I clicked on a live with Jay. And 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 when Jay saw that we were uh, on the page watching the live, he lost his shit. And I felt like a king in that moment. You know, I felt like, oh, my gosh, like Jay knows who we are and he knows what we're up to because because I had no idea. I was just you, actually I, I think it might have been an accident. You know, like when when it says, you know, Jay Ladner's live and like you try to swipe it away and you end up like hitting it. And then we're on Jay. And then trust me, when Jay like shouted us out like that, I stayed for 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 quite a while. But it just it just made me feel good. You know, and that's what and that's what Jay is really, really good at. As in, if anybody who has met them, they know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, there's no, there's, yeah. I mean, he. I think uh, it should be a Jay is infectious. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the hashtag. Jay is Jayism, right? <laughs> Jayism. The uh, if it could be a room of, of a thousand people, he makes you feel like you're the only one in that room. That's one thousand percent true. And at Ice, we were in a bathroom together, and he definitely made me. Oh, we were the only ones in the bathroom. That's a whole other story. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, uh, so uh, okay. So once again, uh, Jay has his own podcast with, with our with our very dear friend Nina Tulio. Um, it's a uh, No Stylist Left Behind, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's doing that and he's up to a bunch of other stuff too. And he's going to tell us all about it. Yeah. Let's figure that we get out. Yeah. hundred percent. All right, let's do it. So Mr. Jay Ladner, welcome to your day off. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I love your day off podcast and I love you guys. And I was seriously over here about to cry because you know, what is so awesome is that I'm on the other side of the mic, right? And I got to witness what everyone else witnesses and feels when they're being introduced. And it's almost like being in the room, but not really. So like, what would actually be said about you if you weren't in the room, right? So thank you so much. I am a rebel with the beauty cause and I, and I do like to go there, whether it's get your stuff together or, you know, love yourself a little bit more. I go through all avenues. So thank you for noticing that. And yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Well, dude, we're, we're stoked to have you. Yeah. I, again, like you, you were talking about ice. I just remember seeing, remember we talked about this before, like Jay's crossed yes. the room and just, you know what I mean? You can just see him coming and you, you know, this great hug is about to happen. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty. It was cool. the best hugs. And I remember cause you, I, I have to read the room sometimes, sometimes I don't, um, but y'all are like, okay, like, shh. 
hi, can you just, we're recording. I'm like, oh, okay. But I was so <laughs> excited. But I remember when, I remember that mo- moment, Corey, when I was live and y'all came on and I felt the same way that you were describing. I was like, how the hell is hair street up on my live right now? Like I was, that's why I flipped out. I was like, Oh my God. And if no one knows who they are, please go check them out now. Like leave my live, like go to their page. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think that the feeling was mutual. Um, thank you dude i mean it it honestly it was like it it, kind of blew me away you know like like as you're starting to build anything or as you're starting to as you're a part of anything like like it's those little bits of validation you know just those little teeny bits that kind of go you know what we're on to something here or or this is i need i need to stay here a little bit longer you know um and and that's that it was very very it was a very very cool moment for 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 us um so jay dude where uh where you from I am from Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida is sunshine state, full of humidity. So, you know, that skin was snatched, <laughs> well, moist all the time. Um, and I grew up, I went to uh, middle school and high school in a small town outside of Tampa, Plant City, Florida. Hi, how are you? <laughs> With your little strawberry fields. What's going on? Can't relate anymore. But... Yeah, I spent a lot of time in Tampa. I'm down there yeah. once or twice a year. Well, yeah, you know, pre-COVID, you know, we were down there, you know, once or twice a year. My wife is from there, so her entire, like, family's there. But, you know, my wife and I have been together since high school. So uh, her oh, cousins God. are my cousins and yada, yada. You yeah, know? that's a long time. Yeah, and I remember like my family like moved my dad moved us out of Tampa and the whole time growing up I was like I need to get back to Tampa because I couldn't relate to anyone in this small town I was like I because I'm so different you know what I mean but I am glad that I did live there and grow up there because I helped change a lot of point of views you know what I mean for being out there and I've always beat to my own drum I mean my dad I think for the longest time tried to like back me away from that Mm -hmm. but I always did and then as the person I am today you know I think it did help that small little town how did you get into into the hair industry is this something that you've always wanted to do I absolutely did not think ever I was going to be in this industry so I remember being, I was 18 working at Bush Gardens. I was a performer and like I would make wigs for, you know, um, the costumes and like the shows. I would make wigs for more money um, when I wasn't performing. And I would always do my friend's hair, but I was never really, that wasn't the lane I wanted to do. And I had a blog. I was blogging when it wasn't cool, when we would do it for free for fashion week. And all the editors at big magazines were like, shut up to all the bloggers because we were like taking over. And, um, I met my husband and he was like, dude, you're a bartender. Like you're, you're doing that, but you're always doing hair. You have a blog, like you're, always talking about beauty and fashion like why don't you go to school but the fun fact that Vince my husband learned is when I went there with him because he was like no you're going to school I actually went to Palm Mitchell School Tampa three times but I was so independent and there wasn't that opportunity for night school so I was like I had to take care of myself right 
So then the school elevated and there was night school and all that. So when I met my husband, he was like, you are going to thrive. Like you are beauty and fashion. Like you believe in it, you invest in it, you talk about it. You're always researching it. Just think about it. And 2009, I started at public school Tampa and it changed my life forever. I think I went to hair school at the right time. Thank God for your husband, uh, for pushing you, yeah. helping you, you know, take that step. But there feels like there's so much we're missing from, you said, when your father was trying to keep you back from, you know, what, whatever he was trying to keep you back from until you uh, met your husband. There's so much, uh, seems a like a story there, right? Oh, yeah. there's a lot of stories. So I, let's get into it. So at 16, as if anyone knows, I, I identify as a gay man. I don't know if y'all know, but hi. Um, (laughs) So growing up, I was always different. And I knew that I wasn't supposed to be where I was at. Like I was. Hold on, JJ. When you, you, you said that you were always different, was it because you were gay or were you just different outside of being a gay kid in a small town? I, I think it was more than just being gay. Gay was a lot of it because I, I couldn't relate to anyone around me. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I have these feelings that that's just like one piece of it. But I think what also was, I felt like I was, I was supposed to be doing something greater, even at like a younger age. Like I would always invest my time into, you know, I was like, um, in a Pentecostal church and I was a leader there. You know what I mean? I've always been a leader and I, I led praise and worship and, you know, I always like put everything that I did, all my energy into it. And I became the best at it. Like, or tried to become that. But at 16, something really happened to me, which, you know, I didn't grow up with my mom. She was an addict. Like that's, I don't remember her. I don't remember anything. Maybe she was in my life around five. I still don't remember that. Um, and then at 16, I got kicked out for being gay. And everything that was important to me got stripped away. And I was abandoned. I already dealt with my mother not being there because she was an addict. But now my father, right, backed all the way out of my life so far out that I had no one around me. So I was then, you know, had to figure shit out. And I think from that moment as a 33 year old man today, I'm glad I was abandoned because now I know how to work through some of the deepest pain there ever is because you grow up thinking your parents are supposed to be there. Right. I look around at all my friends and, you know, they have that perfect life. And I was dealt cards that I think some people would have quit. Some people would have bowed out. Mm -hmm. And I allowed that strength of me being different already. Right. And that back of my mind of that abandonment from my mother, right? And that anger is what got me to keep pushing. And then I turned that abandonment into success because I was like, you know what? It's me. So I have to figure it out. 
And I went down the path of my mom, you know, like when I was younger in the gay scene, I was doing drugs. Like I was partying, I was going out, I was becoming her because I was running from everything else that was around me. And I will say the moment I met my husband was what saved my life forever. And my dad, he later in life, when I was 18, my dad divorced my stepmother and she was a lot of the, you know, root cause of like why I got kicked out and everything. And my dad and I had our like come to Jesus moment. And I, you know, I didn't forgive him then. Um, I have now, but we worked on it and he loves Vince and all that, but they still think Vince to this day for <laughs> showing up to that club because the weekend before I was on a binge and I was still uplifted and I was still doing my job. I was still showing up, but I was like, like hazed, right? Like I was a functioning addict. You know what I mean? Like I was just getting through life. And then when I met Vince, I put, I stopped everything, everything because I became a father when I met Vince. How quickly did that transition happen? So, you know, one, one week you're like, you're, you're in the club and you're binging out and, you know, maybe you make it to the next weekend or not the next weekend you meet Vince. And then, you know, what was that transition from like, you know, finding that purpose or finding that, that, that meaning to, 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 I mean, are, are you clean completely? Yes. yes. Okay. So, yeah. so what was that transition like and how long did it take? It was instant. Mm-hmm. It was instantly. Like I remember I was having a conversation and I, when I saw Vince in that club, like he just got back from Afghanistan, just a fast forward, what I found out, like he was back for a week. I um, mean, he was there um, cause he's, he was in the military for 22 years and retired. Yay. Yay friend. <laughs> um, but he was just in Afghanistan for a year and I met him. He just got back. And when I laid eyes on him, I literally looked at my friends and I was like, I found my husband. And they were like, you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> no, like I know in my soul, like this is my partner. And so I walked up to Vince because he's so chill and reserved and I knew he would never do it. So I knew he was going to be my husband. So I had to go make the move. And <laughs> later, uh-huh. you know, like we were sitting at a restaurant And he later in life, he tells me like he already knew in that moment, he was like, that's my human. Like, cause I was being swung around the dance floor. Like I was wild as ever. (laughs) So I I remember sitting at dinner and I was like, I do Coke. Like, like it just like came out and he was like, absolutely not. This is over. Like, if you don't like I, and in that moment, I looked at him and I'm like, don't leave me. Like, I will become better. Like, he was my human, that angel that was placed in my life. It was no question at all from that moment. I just needed something to look forward to. And he was my person that allowed me to look at my life in a different way. Like, unlimited possibilities. And now, even though I was doing that, I was still don't stop getting it. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was my life, but he allowed me to see that there was bigger and greater things that there was an unconditional love that came from him. And he never left, never left. And he even said that he's like, if you put in the work and from that moment, 
you know, I had drugs in my bag when I was telling him that, you know what I mean? Like, and I just threw them away, flushed them down the toilet and I never went back. Wow. What a story. Like instant. It was that instant. Like I'm sober. Yeah. That's, that's what love can do. Yeah. You know, and I've said this story on the podcast several times and you know, that I used to be addicted to cigarettes, right? I used to smoke a pack yeah. a day, every day. I was so addicted and it was hard to stop. And people who, who smoke cigarettes, they know that how hard it is to quit. And then my daughter, she was five or six. And there was a period of time when she would come and, you know, she would open up her arms and give me a big hug and my heart would just melt. But she was sneaky because as I'm like just falling in into this hug, she's digging in my pockets, grabbing my cigarettes and throwing them uh, in the toilet. And uh, so then one day she finally says, hey, dad, does cigarette smoking kill you? And I'm thinking to myself, if I tell her no, she's going to end up yeah. smoking. And so I said, it does some people. And then she had these really watery blue eyes and tears started dripping down. And she goes, dad, I don't want you to die. Please stop. Oh. And that moment, I never picked up a cigarette again. I knew. Yeah. Yes. You know, that love that, you know, and, and, and it can make you change. So, you know, by you knowing that he's your, your human and he's going to be your husband, that how, you know, you're willing to, to make those sacrifices to, to be, you know, with him. And yeah. And you have to realize that I was 21 and I remember when I said I was 21, my husband now rolled his eyes. And I was like, well, I'm almost 22. Like, that would be better. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm almost 22. Like, you should give me a shot. And I, so when I met him, I became a father. He had a two and a four-year-old. And he was the full-time parent. And I literally went from partying in the club to potty training our now three-year-old. And I remember, you know, Andrew, who's now 14, um, he lives full-time with us and our daughter's 16, Madison. She lives with her mother in South Carolina. But I remember Andrew at two turning three already looked at me as his father. Like when he was being potty trained, he wasn't calling for Vince. He was calling for me. And Vince would just laugh. He's like, well, you know what I mean? So I was also, you know, turned into a father. And in that moment, I knew I could break the cycle of the trauma that happened to me when I was younger, because there were things that I could now change that they would never experience that I was giving this gift from God to heal myself and make sure that they're protected and I break the cycle because I knew that it would stop here, that the trauma that happened in my life, my kids would never experience ever. They would understand what love meant. Beautiful. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, that's what you are. You are love. You are love. If I had to pick one word, it's love. Yeah. Thank you. I'm all kinds of things that love's one. Hey, I want to, let's backtrack a little bit, um, Jay. Like, did, did Vince have addiction issues in earlier relationships? Vince? Yeah. No. 
So you were, so, so you were, so it wasn't anything. So he just, it wasn't, it, it wasn't something that he had experienced and wasn't going to tolerate it again. He just wasn't going to tolerate it. No. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was because of the military, right? Because he was already so high up in the military. He was a master sergeant in the air force. So that's like top three, right? So you can only get to the chief. And I think it was just instilled into him that that could ruin his career because when you think about it, you know, don't ask, don't tell was in full play. So I was out of the closet when I met him, there was a whole nother layer. I was back in the closet, you know, like, because I was choosing to be with Vince because he was my life partner Mm -hmm. and don't ask, don't tell, you know, could have ended his career as well. So there were so many layers to our relationship you know, that I think made us stronger. Um, but, you know, he is a patient man. <laughs> he is a patient man. And I, and I give a lot of my success to him because he was, he was always patient and he allowed me to figure it out. Like he, allowed, he never left. And, and, you know, I, ju- I realized probably five years ago that he never left. Even though I was pushing him away, pushing him away, I finally accepted him truly five years ago. Right. You know what I mean? That he was like never going to leave. And I would do things, you know, once an addict, let's get into this. Once an addict, always an addict. Like I work 24 seven because it's in my blood. Like that's my new outlet, right? right. So I have to remember to like have a moment of just like not work right because right i'm sometimes i I obsessively shop (laughs) like there's these things like once an actor you're always an act so you're always working on it just like with anything that you go through life and trauma or things that happen in your childhood they always pop back up you're always continuously working on it but i think what is so magical is having two kids and a husband you know, allows me to stay on the path. Um, And, you know, witnessing like my mother is now in my life. I'm so proud of her. I, you know, she's clean and she's out of jail. And, you know, she's just the most loving human. And it doesn't matter what she went through. She's still kind. And I think I look, you know, her spirit has always been in me because I've always tried to be kind, even through my darkness. And I think that's why I appreciate the light, because I understand what it's like to be left behind, to go through the darkest streets, right? The darkest of dark. I know what it's like. And I survived. And there's people that are close to me that didn't. You know what I mean? So I, they're life that they couldn't lead anymore i picked that up and said we're gonna do it right so there's things that you can either go down that path become that statistic because i feel like i was a statistic everything that like my mother being an addict being kicked out at 16 there's a lot of people that would give up and i don't blame them you know what i mean for that so uh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you, like you said, you know, that you had that relationship with your mom when when you said she she's out of jail now. Did she reach out to you or did you reach out to her or did you, I mean, how did you guys get through? Because there's got to be a lot of pain. 
Yes, there. Well, I, um, I think I, I, for, for my mother, there, there was, trust me, pain. Um, but I'm glad I met her when I did, because I had two options. And my sister, Jessica, shout out. She's like, was my mother. Jessica, uh, Jessica love you. Thank you for staying <laughs> um, and leading the trauma because she carried it all. But um, she was always around my mother because she lived with my grandparents, my nanny, Ruth. And that was my mother's mother, the most compassionate woman ever. Um, and she never gave up on my mom, my grandmother. And my two older sisters, Jessica and Amanda, were always around her, um, but we lived in separate households. And I remember my sister being like, just give her a chance. And I was like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, I always heard about a mother's hug. There's nothing like it, that it's like the most loving thing ever. And I would hug my friends, moms, and I wouldn't feel it. So I had two options here. I could take my pain and my trauma and put my mother on a pedestal of this, you're supposed to be super woman, mom, or I can walk in the door and accept her pain and put my pain on the back burner. So, so that moment when I walked through the door, I just wanted to hug my mom. I wanted to see if it was true. And guys, it was the most comforting hug I have ever experienced in my life. The most warm, like, like she was never away from me. Like there was no doubt that she was my mother, like no doubt at all that she still loved me. And she, her pain was greater than taking care of me. She, it was a good thing she wasn't in my life. You know what I mean? Because I think she would have caused even more, you know, trauma that I would have had to work through. So I accepted her as a fellow human that no. I know pain. She knows pain. And I'm going to embrace her with all of my soul to let her know that one day there's a possibility that we will be together. That's the most empathetic story I've ever heard in my life. Like, like you talk about like one, such an evolved kind of, of, of human to be able to say, you know, this person that hurt me so much, I'm going to put that aside for just a second. Yeah. And I'm going to understand. It's like, it's like, you know, chicken noodle for your mom or something, you know, it's the uh, <laughs> right. chicken soup, chicken yeah. soup, right? Like chicken yeah. soup for your mom. And, and to be able to say this person that hurt me so much and, and to kind of push those feelings aside and just accept her for, for her own faults, for her own, her own pain. I mean, that's just, that's just beautiful, man. I think that, yeah. you know, I think there that, that 1% or less than 1% of the world could do that. And, 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 and I'm just, I'm honored to know you and to know that you're that kind of person that, 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 that is one beautiful, beautiful exchange. Yeah. And I'm so proud of my mother. Like I, I just, I, you know, she went back through it. You know what I mean? Whenever I was, 18 and I met her and 
you know, I think that at one point I did back away from her because now moving forward, I'm a, I'm a father, like I'm a husband, I'm in the, in my career, I'm building credibility, like, and I just didn't want it to throw me off. So I kind of did at one point, like shut her out. Like I was like, I can't do this. Like you will not be around my kids and I can't have you, you know, like I had to put that barrier up to say like, I'm on to something good. Um, so I can't allow your energy to come in. And then that was like for probably like a year. Um, and then I was like, Hey mom, like she was back. So every time she would come back, I just wanted her to know I was ready at any moment. I was ready to accept her, to bring her into my life, but there were rules of engagement, right? That did have to align with all of that. So shout out to my mother. Shout out. You're to a bad me. bitch. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if I can cuss on here, but no, you just did. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. At, at some point it, it's more than just you, right? It, it is. It's you. It's your husband and your kids. So, and, and this is something that I want everyone right now listening to understand is that we're all trying to navigate through this crazy thing called life. And I understand that pain, right? When you understand pain, your pain, the pain that you feel within yourself, it could be through the worst things that you've ever experienced. All three of us don't understand what that, what you went through, but we can all relate to pain. And when you look at someone as a fellow human, regardless of anything they identify as, and you just say, I understand that one thing we can connect on is pain. And I'm going to now listen and hear you out. And I think that we all need to take a second to focus on what we can relate on, and that is pain. Dude, brother, I mean, you're speaking my language. And, and, and if we all can do that as, as a society, right, instead of, you know, it's my pain, it's me, you know, F you, and I don't want to hear your story, I got my own story, and you know what I mean? And, and only self-consume, you know, and, and you block everything else out, and you, you and you just get mad at everybody else that it feels like that's the kind of society that, that we're living in. Right. And if we all kind of approach it like you did Jay and, and people heard my story about my dad, if we can yeah. take the, that attitude and put others before uh, yourself and, and being able to throw that kind of love out, man, can you imagine that kind of world? That would I think be- we're getting there. Yeah. To this conversation, Mm -hmm. each conversation that we have. So thank you so much for letting me go there. But through every conversation, I just want everyone listening and tuning in to have a conversation, to really get to know the person next to you, the people in your salon, the guests that are sitting in your chair. We can all connect on the level of pain. And if we start having more conversations of integrity and, you know, equality and passion and love and kindness, it will spread. And we're not trying to change the world. We're trying to change our world. So you have impact in your world. 
and then the world will change. So if we just break it off, like if we just break it up into our circle of influence, I think that, you know, it will trickle like those little waves, right? It starts as a raindrop and then it becomes a tsunami. So it's like, just spread it. Right. If, if, if we're all six degrees of separation, it's not going to take that much to change the world, right? I mean, it's only... Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you, bro. Yeah. Absolutely. Dude, it's like, uh, I remember Daniel Mason Jones came on the podcast and, and, and he, he had a short but powerful quote, and that was hurt people hurt people, right? So, yeah. so if we can create some kind of barrier between the two hurt people then, you know, that that's where the change is. Right. And, and, but the first thing, and the first thing that you've done very successful that I think a lot of people struggle with, I mean, frankly, all of us struggle with, it's just sometimes we get it right. Right. And that's that, um, that's it. You first have to identify that you're a hurt people, right? Like you have to take responsibility, like, Oh, I'm hurting. So, you know, in this moment, in this, whatever, um, I, I need, I need to, nip it in the bud, so to speak, you know, I'm hurting right now or, or, you know, the way that I react to a situation is because I'm hurt or the way that I react to a situation is because I'm hurting. So, you know, to, to be so. And I love what you just said, because also what you find out through that trauma, because this is, I'm speaking from reality is that it never leaves you. And it almost becomes like, say in a situation, right? Like you surround yourself with certain people, right. That are relatable to what you're used to your home. Right. And it gets so frustrating because it's a reality that keeps on living. Mm -hmm. So you kind of almost have to get to the point of being tired of it being a reality that you're used to. And you can break the cycle and you can set rules of engagement up for yourself. You know what I mean? Like my transition to LA was really rough. Like I, I, and everyone thought, you know, oh, Jay Ladner, like a voice in the industry, like he's got it made, like, no, like there were things that were placed back onto me to say, is it enough? Are you tired? Are you tired of going into the same situation over and over and over again, expecting different results, uh, uh, insanity. You know what I mean? (laughs) So there's things that you, that will never leave you. And you surround yourself for magical people like you both, like Nina Tulio, one of my bestest friends and most compassionate women I've ever met. And you find those people that will never leave that hold you accountable, that will have uncomfortable conversations, right? And you embrace that and you accept it. So it's never going to leave you, right? But you can respond to it differently when you're fed up and done. Mm, right. That's true. So you brought it Guys, up. Guys, this is so deep. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I live for it because I shared a lot of stuff I've never shared before. And I'm just so thankful that I feel safe in this environment. So thank you for creating a safe space. Oh, this is definitely, you always have a place in this home, brother. Yes. So is your husband from Tampa? So he grew up military. So he grew up all over the place. His father was in the military. He just happened to be stationed in Tampa when we met. 
So that's what I was going to ask. So, so here he is. He he talked you into you know pursuing this industry, going. Yeah. So, it, I mean, you've taken off like a like like a rocket, right? So you get out of school. You guys are in Tampa. He's stationed in Tampa. I mean, ha- tell us the journey. How the heck did you get to L.A.? All right. So um, a lot of saying yes to opportunities and only expecting knowledge. So I actually am writing a new book and it's all about Adapt and Evolve and how I got from where I am now and going on 11 years in this industry, you know, as like the digital creative director of a huge brand like Oligo Professional that normally happens to someone 20 years in, right? So let's back it on up. So at (laughs) school, I already was like, don't stop, get it, get it. Like I already, cause I knew from 16 that I had a hustle that ain't no one else doing it, but me. So I did start school with a little attitude and I had an amazing mentor, Alan Kemp, who like dropped me all the way back down to reality. Um, shout out to Alan. He's one of my biggest mentors in life. Hi, love you. Um, Tampa, Florida. What's good. So he, you know, I went in like, and started fucking it all up. Like I just went in and was like saying yes to every opportunity. So in school, I would skip school and I would go on photo shoots and 12 hour sets, 16 hour sets. I faked it. I was like, I'm a hairstylist. Like you should book me. Like I should be a part of your production team. Right. So I became that before I got, before I graduated, I was published. Like I would skip school. My learning leaders knew, and I was only expecting knowledge. That's it. Right. So then I get out of school and I have a, I'm now blogging even more. Right. And it was called truth about hair. It was like truth about hair. And I would just talk about everything. So hair wasn't like my main focus. So then I wanted to go to New York city and I was like, okay, I already know photo shoots. I've worked with Target for a huge summer campaign. Like, what the, right? I'm like, what's happening? Like, I'm just showing up and putting in the hours and building credibility. So then I go to New York because I'm writing a blog about a London designer, Izzy Handbags. Hi, Anne. Love you. Mm-hmm. She's one of my really good friends. Um, I wrote a blog about her and she was going to New York City for Fashion Week and she read it because I tagged her on Twitter. And I was like, you need to read this. And I wrote about the emotional side of her designs. And I ended up working fashion week for seven seasons. And I started by going. So I would write and I wrote for the accessories council, which if anyone looks that up um, is kind of a big deal. (laughs) I didn't know at the time what I was getting myself into. I was sitting in the room with the president of Karen of the accessory council. And she's like, what do you want from me? And I'm like, oh, I have to have an answer. Like that was the first moment where I was like, I have to answer what I want to do. I can't just go into the room because they're going to ask me, what do you want? And you right. have to have an answer. So I work fashion week. I, you know, signed up with this production company, Adams group. And I took out the trash with passion and purpose, took it out. Every season I took it out, set up chairs, all of that. And then all of a sudden I became the manager because I was inside the room and I was doing everything that no one else wanted to do while still being a hairstylist, right? 
So then I moved to North Dakota. So I'm in Tampa and then we get stationed in North Dakota. Now I have, you know, Alan, he gave me the opportunity to understand what it's like to own a salon. He handed the keys. I was a year in, I was like, what is this man doing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but he wanted a new school point of view inside of his business. He had it for over 20 years. Right. So thankful for that. So, so, so this, so Alan, this is Alan in Tampa. Yeah. In Tampa. Okay, so you're running so a salon he, in Tampa. Yes. Yeah, so I was at his salon and he was showing it. me the ropes. Like he was, I mean, he held me accountable for every action I made. And I mean, there were some stressful times in that back room, but I just stood there and I took it because I knew that he had the credibility I wanted. So a closed mouth never gets fed. So I always ask some questions and I was putting myself in rooms where people were doing what I wanted to do. And I was silent and I worked and I never told anyone I worked. I worked. It paid off. They noticed I worked. That's the secret formula. You have to say yes to opportunities, right? Get inside the room and do what no one else wants to do is take out that trash, looking fierce and saying yes, right? So then I go into managing salons in North Dakota, right? So then we're there for two years. I take the bottom salon. We were ranked last in style leagues. There were like salons um, on bases. And we went to top five in the first six months. Wow. And that was from knowledge I got from Alan. And I, you know, was there, did that thing. And then at 24, 25, we moved to North Dakota or to Dayton, Ohio. And so I already have experience of being a stylist. I'm already going to New York. I'm writing as a blogger and a writer and I'm working for a production company. I'm already doing photo shoots. I've been booked with Target, right? So all I'm building my credibility and we get to Dayton, Ohio. And I said, I'm opening a salon. <laughs> Had no clue what I was going to do. Had yep. no clue. Managing is one thing. Owning is another, right? But I knew I had passion and I knew that I would show up and work. Yeah. So through my credibility, right? And that was the next step, right? So I opened the salon after six weeks of living there and I took over. So, so, Midwest. so you, so you, <laughs> did you buy a salon or did you, you, Oh, opened I up? opened it from scratch. So here you are in Dayton, no friends, no, no client. You don't know one no. hairdresser in town. No. Just the, and then you're like, I'm going to open a salon. Yeah. All right. Let, let we got to unpack this. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. So first obvious, well, you know, let's assume you open it. Let's assume that, you know, you, you get to turn, you, you turn the key. How did you market yourself? How did you promote yourself? First one, just to find stylist and, and, and to find not just stylist, but to find the right stylist, or was that a learning curve? Oh, it was, I failed big time as an owner, like, Big time. There's so people out there. Please forgive me. Like they, you know what I mean? Like I, I just, I was so young, but I did give it all I got. And we were very well known in this city. Like I, I started from nothing. So what I did was I leaned into being a military spouse. And if you're a military spouse and you're listening to this, you know, we will give everything we've got to make sure we, us as a community will be successful. 
So, and Donuts Don't Tell ended and Vince and I were like married. So like there was already this like fame in the Air Force of wherever we lived. Like we were the most talked about couple at that base because it was new um, and exciting. And they were like, oh, like- Was it all positive conversation? I'm gonna get take his way out. Okay, so all positive because Vince was a chief master sergeant and you don't come for a chief master sergeant. So, Hi, you ain't coming for us. You did it inside your house when no one could hear you. So I was like, thank you for my man's credibility. I ain't gonna be talked too crazy because I'm his spouse. And that was like, you know what I mean? You can have a whole um, but it was exciting about being a military student. right yeah. yeah so i you know i reached out to the base and then it was like this whole like almost um they just wanted to be in the room because in the military it's it takes a lot of work to get to a chief master sergeant and you don't do it alone you do it through the support of your family and your kids and you know like we sacrifice a lot Vince sacrificed way more than i could even imagine you know what i mean you brought the kids back up. I mean, how do they uh, handle moving like that? It was just, you do it. You know what I mean? And then it becomes reality that you're just going to move. And you you move into these locations and you're like, okay, we have two years here, right? right. So that's one thing I was able to do, Corey. Listen, I already moved. <laughs> I knew how to build. Right. And that was hitting the streets and talking to everyone I could. Right. Cause this was Instagram, Facebook, like it was not popping. Right. <laughs> so I would just hit the streets. I would go on TV shows. Like I knew the PR side because I worked fashion week. I worked, you know, on photo shoots, campaigns. I've been around it. Right. Like I knew from blogging, like how to get my name out there was hitting the streets, you know, letting other businesses know that I'm here for them. Um, and I started in a 700 square foot space. I could afford it with doing four guests a month by myself. And it was just me. Four, well, hold and, on. four guests a month, not four guests yeah. a month. Yeah. It was so cheap. Wow. Wow. I mean, we're talking about Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> Like, we're not talking about LA. But hold on, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're missing a big part here because even if it's Dayton, Ohio, even yes. if, and you're saying that the rents are cheap, but but that also means that the, the, the cost is expected to be cheaper as well because it just, you know, it just comes down to basic economics. So, yeah. you know, I mean, so how are you charging enough four times a month to pay for your space? So my monthly rent was five twenty five. dollars for a 700 square foot space. Wow. That's so a, I was already yeah. back then, I was averaging probably 200, I guess, right? Like that, like cut, color, style, all of that. Like in Nina Kovner, Passion Squared, sure. she was my coach, you know, like she's been a part of my journey as well. And I've had mentors. So my success is because I ask for help. A closed mouth never gets fed. I say it all the time. I put myself around people who were successful and who knew the answers. And if they didn't know, they would find out, right? So I've had mentorship and that's where why I got to where I am. I didn't do it alone. I had people in my circle to say like, okay, this is 
the way you need to navigate. Did I listen sometimes? No, because I'm a rebel with a beauty cause. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't listen sometimes because in my intuition, it says do something else, right? That helps me get navigate 16 to 21 until I met Vince, right? So that intuition. So my rent was super cheap and I knew, okay, I would do forecast a month, like my bills are paid and that's all I wanted to do. And then I slowly hired, right? Like I slowly hired and my guests were my investors. That's what I like to call them. Hi. Um, because they do invest in our business and they do allow us to grow and they do allow us to get education. They are the reason why we are successful as our guests. They don't have to go to you. You should embrace them more than just a client as a guest and as an investor of your business. So that's uh -huh. a whole nother podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. They were a part of my growth. Like I opened and I didn't even have my salon chairs yet. And I had people walking through the door and I was downtown Dayton. And I knew from talking to the city that it was going to be the most money spent in the city for its rebirth. So I knew what I was signing up for. I knew that eventually my rent would raise because there was going to be a lot of investors going into downtown to make it livable, to make it fun, make it exciting. There was an energy there. So I placed myself strategically in downtown when no one else wanted to be there, right? I was, there was only two salons and the salon that was there was open for 10 years. Right. And all of a sudden they were showing up at my 700 square foot space door. <laughs> that, you mean like, the other hairdresser? Hi, the other salon owners. Uh, They're like, who are you? Are you opening a spa? And I was like, no. And a year later, a year later, I had a team of five and I expanded three doors down to the flagship space over 3000 square foot and open a salon and spa a year later. Wow. We were booming. We were busting out of the scenes because we were different. We were, we gave a different point of view to that. I was hitting the streets. I was on TV. I mean, my first six months, I was like nominated as like the top hairstylist in Dayton. And I'm like, I didn't even know people knew like what I was doing, even though I was doing the work, right. I forgot that people were noticing. Right. So then we built that and I had it for seven years and then I sold it through that journey. I made a lot of mistakes and a lot of success. So a lot of mistakes, a lot of success. And mm -hmm. I, now I'm blown up on Instagram and I'm educating around the U.S. and I have brand deals going on and all of that. And I knew that it was time for me to exit being a salon owner. Like it was no longer for me. So, so and, at, at this point, Vince is out of the military and stuff. Had he? Yes. So he had retired out of the military, uh, out of Dayton, and then it was time to go to L.A. All right. So now I'm, you know, we're in Dayton and I'm like, you know what? Vince is retired for two years. I'm like, we're going to sell the house and we're going to sell the salon and we're moving to Los Angeles because that's where I'm at in my brand, right? I've now went through building credibility in the industry from, you know, working for other brands. 
as an educator to now becoming Jay Leidner Education, being a social media influencer to owning a salon, managing salons. I've done it all, right? Like so far. Um, and I was really good at it. And I was like, you know what? Now's the time for me to bow out. And my team in Dayton were so supportive because I was already gone. Right. And we all know a missing salon owner means what your business is failing (laughs) because you're missing in action. And I didn't want them to lose that momentum. Right. So I, you know, let them know they were so supportive and I made the transition to LA first um, because I knew I needed to get here. And I was still traveling, all of that. I'm now with Oligo, and I get to LA, and then at right before COVID, Vince got here full time because he had a job with the city of Dayton, so or a nonprofit that represented the city at Dayton. So he was transitioning out of that, and we still had our house. So we were like trying to figure out there were still negotiations on our salon. So as I was, don't stop getting, getting it and building a credibility, my credibility here in LA, he was finishing everything in Dayton. So right before COVID happened, we made the full transition together. Um, Yeah. Uh, But being military spouses, right. You kind of understand that there's a give and take right? You have to adapt and evolve together. Like sometimes you have to go do something first and then they follow, right? So then now we're full-time in LA. My, I'm in my own studio here in Beverly Hills at Salon Republic. Hi, family. <laughs> hey, Love <Eric>. you. <laughs> They're so supportive of me. I literally am like, whenever I made the decision to come here, Eric and the whole squad was like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to go to Salon Republic. They're like, uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. So now I'm so you're in, hold on, you're hold on, hold on, hold on. We're gonna fanboy for a minute. So you're in Hollywood? Okay. I'm in Beverly Hills. Oh so, <laughs> so where's where's Philip? Philip's in Hollywood, right? Philip is here at Beverly Hills. Uh where where is I think uh, Philip Wolf, the same Philip? Yeah, I just saw him the other day in the bathroom. <laughs> what is it with you and bathroom? Like how we met. <laughs> exactly. Hey, and is Guy Tang there? Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I can find out. <laughs> that it, it, it doesn't matter. I was just gonna like you know fan out a little bit. Well, when you see Philip and Danny, you know, send our love because uh, I will. We I love those guys. I was just talking to Danny yesterday, talking about the same kind of thing, like just how much we miss seeing everybody on the road and yes. stuff. And she just messaged me the other day and she's like, We're neighbors. Right. You know I'm what like, I mean? So I'm where like, you live or, or neighbors? No, at the salon. Oh. And I'm like, Oh, because listen, I am I am so dialed into my life. Like, right. I'm dialed into my business. I'm dialed into my guests. Like, I'm dialed into my assistant, James. I want to make sure that I give him everything I know so he can you know, thrive and give it to the next generation of stylists and all of that. So now I'm here. I'm told stop getting it, getting it. <laughs> like always, I'm a rebel with the beauty cause. Listen, beauty launchpad in 2013, because I was blowing them up. And Amy, 
Yeah, yeah, Amy Dodd. Yep. Yes, baby. I love her. Shout out. I remember I was like questioning her about like one of these hair shows. I was like, do you even know? Like on tour. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, I was like, y'all need to pay attention to me. I have something to say. Like, and then they put me in their magazine. They were like, Jay Latner, the rebel with a beauty cause, because he would go to any lengths to get noticed. And I think like once you understand loneliness and you're okay with it you will stop at nothing you know pain and fear and all of that like yeah. you won't stop until you get that story out right well here's a story for you jay um you don't know this but uh but um gordon miller um from hairbrained <laughs> we um i was having a conversation with 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 gordon and, and he mentioned just how amazing you are and how like He's like, man, I remember seeing Jay years ago and now like Jay is just blown up and he is so incredibly proud of you and, 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 and what you bring him. to the industry that, that, you know, it, it was, it was really, really cool. And, and, and um, I didn't tell you that because I wanted to make sure that you heard that um, on, on our podcast and, and it was just a very cool kind of thing. And, and plus you're infectious, bro. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Uh, actually, you know, we, we made it when, when when Gordon and I were talking about that. We may have been at ICE. We may have been at ICE. So you know, you yeah, probably just made I love Gordon so much. I would like track him down at hair shows because I I didn't really realize like early in my career like what magic he is. Like I I just knew from his energy and I knew from like some research, but I would always track him down. Yeah. And I remember I was seeing him at one of the shows I was doing and he was like, Jay Ladner, look at you. <laughs> right. And I'm like, thank you so much for being there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like hearing me, like when I wanted to say something and I think that's what I want everyone to get out of from listening to this is that if you want to do it, put yourself in the room, only expecting knowledge and growth, only expecting to build credibility and do it over and over again until you become good at it. Right. And then you like ask for help when you need help. And like you, you do the things that no one else in the room wants to do. And you'll all of a sudden be standing on a stage where people are screaming for you. Cause that is literally what happened to me is I was just putting myself there. I mean, I was doing it. And then all of a sudden people know my name and I'm still that 16 year old boy in my spirit, fighting his way through life. So sometimes I'm learning to embrace it now, but it's been a wild ride because I still think of myself as Joshua getting through life. And I'm still figuring it out every single day. On that note, that's words of wisdom from Mr. Jay Ladner. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> so Jay, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end it with it with that advice because that that's so spot on and that's so real and raw and you know what I mean what a great way to to kind of close it down with with that advice right so how can our listeners find you follow you listen to you love on you uh, can you throw that uh, out there for us 
yes. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at, at it's Mr. J. Latner. You can go to jlatner.com. And I am really focusing on my online education. Um, thanks, Quarantina. You helped out on that. Um, but I do have my J. Latner Essentials class up there. If you want to get into nine placement and patterns that will elevate you behind the chair. And I do have my book, Placement Past Placement. Patterns and Potions by Jay Latner on there. You can slide into my DM. You can email me. You can call me. My cell phone number is on my Instagram. I always say this to people, but no one hits me up. So this is your <laughs> opportunity to slide up into it. And yeah, you can just, and you can listen to me every Friday with my podcast wifey and best friend, Nina Tolio. No stylist left behind. And we are streaming on iTunes, Apple, and Anchor. Love it. Well, first off, you're wrong about one thing in that whole statement that Nina is my best friend. And on that note, <laughs> Mr. Jay Ladner, thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>